I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Founder of Not On The High Street and Holly & Co., I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. And my dream is to help everyone start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the greatest way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to all my favourite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. This week I'm talking to Pip Jameson, founder and CEO of The Dots. Dubbed as the LinkedIn for Creatives, The Dots is a networking site connecting creative freelancers and entrepreneurs with big companies that can make ideas happen. Pip's mission is to make the creative industries more open, diverse, champion creativity as a force for good. Sharing my same core belief that creativity will future-proof us from the age of automisation, she's an incredible force of nature and I know she'll go on to change the world. I sat in her co-working space in East London where we chatted about so many fascinating topics, including how she's championing diversity through her business and that human creativity in a world moving towards AI is the key to a stronger economy. So Pip, amazing to be here today in your offices, such an incredible space and so blinking creative. Well, of course, it's going to be creative. It's it's your space. When I walked in, you can just feel this energy. And I didn't hear your laugh, but I could <laughs> I could I, <laughs> I could I could always feel the laugh, though, in the air, because there is just this thing about co-working space that has that positive vibe and I remember last time we met that positive vibe was the thing that slightly I'm a a little bit addicted to you um, now I've got a bit of a girl crush going on it's it's the it's I don't know you ooze creativity and you ooze this positiveness and I really can't wait to chat today I feel maybe that we're partners and minds and we have a very spooky I would say similar (laughs) story don't we we we're both female founders of tech companies in a uh, an era where sadly there's not many of us Uh, we're both starting our second businesses uh, both obsessed with creativity both dyslexic (laughs) and I could just go on so I'm not worried about what we're going to have to talk today it's whether this podcast goes on for about five hours (laughs) But I would love to start with your story, Pip. Um, The story that led you to create this creative network, The Dots. Yeah. Oh, it's been the most amazing journey. Thank you for that intro. (laughs) I just want to give you a hug. Oh, Um, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it started for me. I've worked most of my career in the creative industries, but most recently um, working for MTV. And... Basically, I just realized that me and my friends were working in a very different way than that traditional corporate white-collar community. So people kind of describe the dots as LinkedIn for the creative industries. Recently, they started calling it LinkedIn for no-collar workers. Um, wow, okay. Um, but I guess 
when I was at MTV, I was just surrounded by amazing people who were having kind of non-linear careers. So they were adopting freelancing or they were choosing to work portfolio careers. They might be working three days somewhere, but two days they were writing their own, doing their own podcast or doing their own niche magazine or running their own events. And everything that bound me and my friends together was creativity. And I use creativity in its broadest sense, but we were kind of coming up with creative ideas and building teams around us to execute on those ideas. And LinkedIn was kind of built around a very different workforce. And, you know, hats off to Reed for what he's created, but it is built around a an older generation that was kind of more white collar linear and I, I wanted to create a different way that people who were creatively minded could come up with ideas, connect with people that can help make those ideas happen, promote themselves, connect with freelance opportunities and essentially a professional network for that kind of next generation of creative talent which is so magic to see it kind of grow from there. You have a mission right you have a mission and so what is that vision what is the vision for the dots so our vision is literally to become the next LinkedIn but with the view in mind of connecting a million creators to opportunities um, and at its kind of core though it's around diversity so I'm a sole female tech founder um, I'm dyslexic as you said which we have in common um, a huge part of where I see creativity coming into its own is where you put diverse, amazing, creative minds together. And I experienced firsthand at MTV the problems that happen when you're just hiring mates and mates and mates. So I wanted to create a platform where you could discover amazing people essentially democratizing creativity, uh, irrespective of where they went to university, who they know, their background, their ethnicity. So yeah, a huge amount of the work we do is making sure not only are we helping an amazing community progress their careers but that is an amazing diverse community so we're over 62% female on the dots um, wow. we're only over 31% BAME which is black Asian minority ethnic 16% um, LGBT and I do a lot of work on neurodiversity which is dyslexia dyspraxia and socioeconomic movement because really creativity is about different minds coming together and coming up with brilliant solutions and and that's what keeps me that's the purpose of what we do so yeah I'm going to take on LinkedIn but I'm going to make the world better at the same time <laughs> well just those two little things yeah, yeah. before breakfast before breakfast <laughs> but it's it's interesting and and um, one of the things I've loved um talking to people on this podcast about is the I'm seeing this similar thread that's binding us which is an idea of purpose, an idea of absolute purpose and soul vision. And it's always for good. And it's an incredible thing, actually, to build a company. And one of the most successful things and what I hope people will take out of this is that actually that is, you know, the thing that will make you successful. If you don't wake up out of bed and wash your hair thinking about it because you know what you do today can change the world... And it's actually fantastic, isn't it, for the down days and the, you know, and there are many, many down days. Have you come across that more companies that you're helping or talking to have got this sense of purpose? Because I, I feel like it's maybe something that's overlooked at the moment, that that's actually what makes a successful business. Yeah, we're seeing a massive shift. I mean, our community want purpose. They, I mean, the whole thing really that defines us against LinkedIn is not just creativity, but it's, you know, it's LinkedIn was built around people that 
they valued paycheck over everything else. Our community have completely different value sets. Purpose is as much as paycheck. Life is short. You, they want to make the world a better place. And I, you know, we're primarily millennials, so it's like 77% of our community is under 35. And they, they, you know, they've realized that there is one life. The world is a bit of a mucked up place right now. How about we use our creativity for good? And I just love being able to enable that on an aggregate scale you know you're suddenly looking after hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who we're helping realize what they want to how they want to make the world a better place and how they want to create change and that's that that kind of is definitely keeps me going every day (laughs) (laughs) it's your coffee is it 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 is my coffee (laughs) I have lots of those too (laughs) and and you've um so you you're doing this the second time round. yes yeah and what have been the benefits of doing it again and just tell me a little bit what why I'm saying doing it again yeah so I mean gosh I am a sole female tech founder who has no tech background <laughs> so um yep. yeah there is definitely benefits from doing it the second time around so I actually started I guess the baby sister version of the dots in Australia which I grew into the biggest network over there and we were just about to expand internationally and my then business partner had just got married had a baby um and he we were profitable doing really well and he didn't want to expand internationally so very long story short is I had to exit my business in Australia but I acquired the global technology rights I then seed funded the business myself out of everything I made in Australia Um, my poor husband asked me how much is left in the bank account and I'm too sort of scared to tell him but um, (laughs) (laughs) it's best they don't know it's best they don't know (laughs) and I started all over again so I went from startup to scale up back to startup again and a number of the team relocated from Australia to kind of help me start up again which was kind of incredible and I guess the advantage of doing it the second time around I mean I had no idea what I was doing the first time around I mean we I was non-tech founder but before really startups were a thing so we were just having you know it's before any startup books were really written so we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants so there were so many learnings from that business that I I took over here and you know I think the nature of innovation is you're always making mistakes it's just great to not repeat the mistakes I was making in Australia and do it quicker over here Um, and I, I just love that kind of experience but I've always just fundamentally believed there's got to be a better way for people to develop their careers and so I just just being in Australia doesn't work for me, especially as creativity is like borderless. You People want to work mm-hmm. all over the world. Mm-hmm. They want to freelance remotely. They mm-hmm. want to sell their products everywhere. It just didn't make sense being in one country. So yeah, that's why I did it all over again. And- <laughs> And I, I, I share your, uh, your, your, your slightly nervous laugh there with the, 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 the understanding of after building Not in the High Street. What year did you build your Australian venture? So it started in 2011. So right. this is okay. a long time yeah, ago. a long time. Not in the High Street <laughs> was built in 2006. So it was a really, really long time ago. And, I, and it's an interesting thing doing it again. I mean, I said never again. And so the biggest learning of doing it again was actually that maybe that you fall and trip at same points of tech build or um, building a team, et cetera, et cetera. But actually fundamentally in, in yourself, 
you, you've got the war scars. You know, you've got those scars. You sort of know, don't turn right there, turn left. Yeah, and I, I knew it also in a really strange way, I sort of come to enjoy the low bits now because I, you know, if you look back retrospectively, that's when I learn the most. And as long as I've got myself into that mindset now, when things are going wrong, I just kind of go home, have a wine, <laughs> but then learn and say, what can I learn from this experience? And I actually have a post-it note on my um, on my um, laptop that has like learnings and I keep a track of all the things just so I don't repeat those mistakes and I think I've sort of got ish addicted to the low bits because I know I'm learning mm. then and it's um yeah it's, it's it's a good job though hey that we're addicted to the yeah low bits. I know thank goodness the lows have taught me a mm. hundred times more than any high actually there's very few highs anyway but if you can look at those lows as lessons that there's a reason you're going through it yeah. you're going to come out the other end but you're going to be better for it and the business will be better for it and I love that idea of writing those lessons down to actually say okay I recognize this again I recognize this feeling mm. is that one of the things I've gone through before or is this a new one so it actually makes something positive out of that situation but something else I wanted to ask you about so we're more heading to this world of digitalization automation the more humans I believe will crave craftsmanship creativity will become our secret weapon and so I absolutely love your line on your website where you say soon machines will drive serve customers code clean manufacture do our accounts and legal work what are humans still good for creativity so if we want our children and grandchildren to have jobs and make our economies thrive, we need to support the makers, doers, fixers and dreamers that bring creative ideas to life. <laughs> and I just, you know, honestly, I was, I was looking at that and I felt like I, in another way, could have just written the same thing. It is everything I believe in. So can you tell me, do you think uh, enough of us are going for it? Enough of us are living creatively fulfilled lives do we need to live a creatively fulfilled life and and what's that sort of few reasons that you think blocks us for from going for it yeah I mean it's it's there's so many things you know I'm a massive Ken Robinson fan who said creativity is as important as literacy and I think you know it's got to start at a grassroots schools level it's terrifying everyone's talking about STEM I'm like stop talking about STEM because I mean I'm seeing we you know we're using now front-end code where a designer can code by designing you know code by rules by numbers isn't the be-all and end-all yes we have a deficiency of tech talent right now but machine learning will do a lot of the kind of more mundane yep. coding yep. so we've got to teach our school kids to think creatively and I guess everyone is creative and that's what really that's what makes us human and I guess a whole part of the dots is making the creative industries accessible to everyone you know I love it when someone at PwC signs up and goes you know what I don't want to work in the city anymore I want to have a creative career I want a freelance I want to work for this person and that's everything we're trying to build it's not a community just for you if you are creative it's a community for everyone that wants to kind of realize their creative potential because that is the future workforce that is the future skill 
set. And I guess re- really lovely, Forbes recently asked if we were the next LinkedIn. And the reason they said that is because of that creative soul, which we can't automate. And I'm just so excited about that space. And so what do you think is the blocker then? That thing that stops people from taking that leap is it a really practical one? You know, I feel I find I talk to a lot of people where it's literally I need to pay the mortgage, you know, so I, I can't do this leap. Or is it um, other things? What, what, what have you found to be that block to stop people living the life that they actually want to lead? I think sometimes it's generational. I think, you know, when I was at school, it was very much around, you know, you have to go into the, you know, some sort of corporate career to be successful. I think, you know, there is that mindset that you can't actually commercialize what you're doing creatively. And I think that's a myth, you know, you might make less money than in the city, but you're going to be happier. So why not? (laughs) Um, Guaranteed. You're not, there's that kind of image of a starving artist. I mean, that's not the way it is now. You know, you've enabled that through all the work you've done where people can actually commercialize what they're doing yes you're not going to get like a half a million salary from PwC but really who wants that Um, so I think there is that kind of generational mind block we are finding with the kind of younger community coming through the dots is they are less scared they are kind Mm -hmm. of just out there doing stuff they're starting their own bespoke magazines their fashion labels events on the side there seem a lot less risk obviously at their age for for obvious reasons like mortgages but I think you know I love that kind of tempo of creativity coming from a grassroots level and I think a generation is being born that's like you know money isn't the be all and end or do I really want the five bedroom house with a mortgage or actually do I want to go to work every day and actually love what I do and create things that mean something and I think the generation coming through is very much a different mindset now and that really really excites me and it, and it must be also it's it's fantastic to see these things coming through but it's also scary when you think in a few years time steadfast reliable jobs could become automated you've got the finance jobs lawyers I think there's in America there's a machine that will do something like 70 80 percent of the legal firm's work already and you know people are going to be made redundant recent report says that within 20 years 30 percent of tasks in 60 percent of occupations could be computerized and last year the bank of england's chief economist said that 80 million u.s jobs and 15 million uk jobs will be taken over by robots so there is a uh, wonderfulness that you're an enabler Mm. to allow the the sort of tonic the solution for what might be coming around Mm. and I don't think we necessarily are in it yet Mm. we've not yet actually experiencing what it's like to have that many jobs being lost and people having to work out well now what do I do I've obviously for many years had Mm. that so um, in a different um, sector but mums who have been a lawyer for many, many, many years Mm -hmm. on their second child. They can't go back to work and not on the high street over the, uh, it's in its 13th year now, has enabled this Mm -hmm. workforce to actually make it work for them. So when you look at your community, tell me what you think are the best pieces of advice for, you know, how can I make that switch and what is the advice to making it work? I guess the massive advice is, 
I think people get worried they're not creative. Firstly, remember, everyone is creative and everyone can make that shift. And also the creative industries are blossoming, but you don't necessarily need to be a creative within the industries. Creativity is a team endeavor. It's a collection of amazing people coming together. So creative industries are crying out for like people who can project manage things, people who can run finance. You know, that we've got a massive deficiency of the kind of skills that could be automated. So I would say what everyone's got to stop doing is thinking about their job title. Basically, job titles are meaningless these days. What you need to do is look at your core skills. What are the core skills you have? because those are much more transferable. So a perfect example of that is, you know, there's lots of journalists out there. Now, a lot of journalism jobs are sort of tanking right now. But if you look at the core skills of what a journalist does, they're a storyteller, they're a copywriter. Those skills are really transferable into all these different industries that are blossoming. So I think it's stop thinking about what your job title is and think about what your core skills are. And then there's this plethora of amazing opportunities throughout the creative industry that could be perfect if you're a project manager or in finance because we're kind of crying out for those skills. But I, I think you do make an amazing point about there will be like people left behind as well. I mean, the creative industries is blossoming, but we there are people that are going to find it hard to reskill. Um, and so I started looking into um, universal wage, which I think is a really interesting thing um, because... Tell me more there. about that. So universal wage is basically giving people a set income um, and there are kind of trials going through Scandinavia at the moment on how this could work so you basically everyone in society would get like a, a minimum wage and then with that wage you could choose to start your own business or you could still choose to go to PwC if you want to so you know in the end there are certain roles maybe like driving that are going to be very hard to transfer that skill into a new place and we've I think we've got to really think about society now Quite and quickly, not just ourselves yes very quickly yeah. it's it's scary how we're not necessarily even talking about this and, and why I'm, I'm glad to be talking about it today yeah. because this is coming well it's and, funny enough it's actually here yeah so a lot of the problems that we see in America with Trump and then Brexit everyone's blaming immigration for what's happening you know in the end medium wage is is just it's not growing and so people feel that they're they're not wealth isn't growing everyone's blaming things like immigration and that's where we start putting up borders the reality is it's technology mm -hmm. it's technology that is mm -hmm. causing the shift but people just it's very hard to grasp that yep. so let's blame people coming yep. in much easier much easier to do um technology is already making this disruption so if we don't start thinking about this now we're going to have even more societal consequences like trump <laughs> And when you said that the creative sector is, is growing, actually, it's incredible when you look at the statistics coming out from the government, where the creative inter industries contribute 91.8 billion to the yeah. economy. It is um, the fastest growing industry yeah. in the UK, which I'm thrilled about. Um, but I don't think people understand that. And so we say the fastest growing industry in the UK. We say it's, it's up there. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, if this is the fastest growing industry and the future is all about being your own brand, mm -hmm. and you are going to have to be self-sufficient, why is no one waking up 
I think, you know, the whole STEM thing, and for those, and I'm a massive advocate, as I said, of STEAM, which is putting the arts in STEM. I think, you know, that's just coming from political pressure. I mean, it's a, a lot of tech companies right now are just crying out for coders. Then they, they're obviously looking after their own interests. So they're looking at it right now. They're not looking into the future. I think it's going to take a very forward thinking government to start realizing that, no, I mean, we might, you know, bolster a load of engineers but what happens when automation actually replaces those engineers and we've suddenly got a workforce that aren't thinking about creative solutions i mean all of my engineers here are creative technologists i don't hire engineers who just code by rule i hire engineers that can come up with solutions to problems because that's the future of technology mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean you know it is it's really tough i mean you can influence <laughs> I, I plan to. I, I, I honestly plan. I, I plan to spend the rest of my life doing that. Yeah, actually, actually, and we can join forces. We, and we absolutely we'll, join we'll, we'll forces. Do, yeah. And it's also just about accessibility. So even when they do leave, so I spoke at this amazing event in Clapham called Dream Nation, and it was started by this gorgeous guy called Claude. That is basically a community of BAME kids, primarily BAME kids in Clapham. And these are super bright, incredible kids whose parents are wanting a better life for them, but they're pushing them into being lawyers or finance. That's the kind of, you know, place to go. And what Claude's trying to do is exactly this, is going, no, there's this whole other world that exists out there. So there's a problem at the grassroots level, but there's also a problem where lots of talent just, it seems like this kind of airy-fairy industry, but actually it's this viable, growing, amazing industry for people to join that then actually sets them up for the future and avoids automation <laughs> i sit in front of you and uh, you're everything i would say people should aspire as leaders to emulate and and i really really mean that you're a woman you're a creative entrepreneur and you're in the tech world have you found it difficult people taking you seriously have have, have you have you dealt with that journey i, I mean i know i have but yes. have you yeah i mean there are definitely pros and cons. Um, you know, I've been through two rounds of investment. So I closed four million just before Christmas. I mean, just to put it into context, only 2.3% of funding at my level goes to women. So that is a very, as you all know, because I mean, you I are the it, pioneer. I think in 2006, <laughs> you know, five rounds down, I think it was something like 0.01% of yeah. women raised money. It's, it's incredible. Insane. And when it comes to, for example, black women, you're looking at 0.2% at the moment. I mean, it's just crazy. So, you know, yes, things like raising financing is desperately difficult. I have met some very bad investors I've also met some incredible ones that really want to pull pull women up John Hegarty being yeah. one of them who who is hugely supportive so um sometimes it's an advantage you know I go into an investor pitch and they were just you know I knew I was being patronized right from the beginning and straight away I knew they were just a bad person and, and I wouldn't they would be a terrible investor and I think actually maybe that's an advantage maybe my male entrepreneurs colleagues don't have because I get that sense straight away because of how they're treating me um, you know, we'd had, I'd do pitches where they'd only talk to my COO because he's male, you know, and my poor COO was there going, and this is Pip, the CEO, and sort of distracting it over. But again, they're just bad people. Mm -hmm. I've also met 
a load of incredible men within the industry that want to change. And actually, I'm reverse mentoring a number of VCs at the moment in terms of how they are vetting founders, because actually a lot of the questions they're asking founders are very biased. Um, but what I love right now is that people are wanting to change. It's just slowly, I kind of feel like I'm a, a suffragist a bit at the moment. I'm working from the inside trying to get them to like change their, change their ways. But I mean, an example of that is um, uh, some ways that they vet if a founder is capable or not is they'll, send, they'll shoot an idea at you that's slightly tangential from your business. And what they're looking is for like a dogmatic leader who's wedded to their vision. So what they want you to do is shoot them down. But the problem is as a female founder, I will listen to someone's opinion, I'll take it, I'll synthesize, and then I'll be decisive. But I won't just shoot down someone's idea just like that. And I think that actually makes me a good leader. But they're actually dismissing female founders because they don't think they're dogmatically. They're looking for trumps. <laughs> they're looking, <laughs> like, they're looking for alpha, aren't they? Alpha, alpha. Alpha, alpha. And actually, the, the world is changing. And as you said, the... Um, you know, I would say that actually you're just what you described there would make you a better leader, oh, hands down. And Whatever might... the gender is, the, 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 the fact that you would do that, you think you, you think you actually look at the room, you read the room, you talk, you actually am not looking to talk to be um, sort of dogmatic. You are actually looking to contribute and you don't need to shout in order to do that. And there's this whole alpha beta thing. I went to a talk where someone was talking about beta leaders and and what that is and until those with that capital who are you know fundamentally can change your life by investing you know not in the high street wouldn't have been here without my dear tom who um, was the first investor in lastminute.com and he saw that he saw that there wasn't any shouting going on here we didn't even have the first year of accounts but he could see that he says i'm in the business of people mm. and so it's you know how you actually um, can actually push all of this knowledge and it's fantastic to hear that you're you're doing that how, how are those sessions going yeah it's an it's actually a really rewarding process I'm finding that you know I'm I was going to all female tech events last year and there was no men in the room this year you go in and it's about 40 percent investors wow. so they are wanting deal flow they are wanting change I mean I think they're slightly scared shitless because of me too but that's not a bad thing but um in the end I think you know as you said there it I love because Tom's one of my shareholders too yeah. I love that you say you know it's all about kind of the people and for me you know being a non-dogmatic dictatorial leader you know the, the the kind of competition for talent is so fierce in our industry and technology and you know, being people would leave if they're led like that. And I think that's what I love about the kind of wave of women coming through. It's a different way of leadership. And there's lots of male leaders that are doing it well, too. But they're starting to prioritize team happiness and more collaboration. And, and that really is the linchpin that pe binds people together so that, you, I mean, being a CEO is really all about building a world-class team and retaining that world-class team. And right now, you can't be a dictator. They will just leave and go somewhere else. And you have to have genuine empathy for the people around you and realize they have lives and they have families and they want to be essentially happy. <laughs> that's the most important thing. The problem with the, the kind of culture fit, we're looking for someone that's culture fit, is you end up hiring yourself and or people like you. And that's creativity only blossoms when you've got different people in a room coming up with different solutions and challenging each other in a positive way but challenging each other and 
I, I'm very much of the ilk, and there's a, a lot of good sort of businesses that are doing this now, which they, they hire on values fit. That's the more fundamental. What are the core values of your business, and do people match those values? It's not someone you want to go to a pub with. It's someone that actually matches the core essence of who you or what you're building. So, for example, um, our first value as a business is positivity. Um, that's not positivity for positivity's sake. I want everyone to challenge me, but it's about a team that comes up with solutions, not problems. Because when you're going through scale up, there are a lot of problems. And the last thing you need is people just moaning and politics kind of setting in. So, you know, we fund, we test for that right at the beginning through the interview process. Actually, the first interview with anyone is done by me and it's on values fit because if they don't get through the values fit they're not going to work for the business I don't care how good they are at whatever they do if they don't get through the values test then they're not going to be a, a good fit and so and that means that you hire very different people but you share a common purpose stroke values and and I, I just it means that you come up with better solutions to everything it's great <laughs> What would be your couple of tips on those startups phases? You've talked brilliantly about just even hiring. You know, you don't look on the CV in that traditional way. You're actually looking at values. So if you don't believe, you're not going to be in my team. You're not going to be in my work family. I think the first thing to remember is you're not going to get it right all the time. So funnily enough, Google did some research recently and one out of two people they hire are wrong for the business. And they were trying to, and they've probably got the best recruit. If you want to see a recruitment process, Google, Google. Oh my God, that sounded really weird. Um, But they have an amazing recruitment process. They're famous. But even then they get it wrong. And I think firstly, do the values fit interview first. That is the most important thing. Don't get kind of dazzled by someone's skills. You really need to check its values. The other thing is the best way Google found, they tried to do all this data analysis on what makes a good person and wrong person and why they were losing like one in two people. And actually what they found is there's no correlation at all. They can, This is Google, they could find no data. The only thing they found was background checking that person with people that weren't on their references. Because if you do that, you will get a very honest answer about the type of person they are. And so a lot of business now, it's you know, people will check references don't check those but also check people that aren't on the references because that's where you get a really honest answer and in terms of kind of retaining and learning from what's gone wrong people do something called exit interviews if someone leaves your business you interview them why it went wrong what I actually do is I um, so my we run off something called OKRs which are an alternative to KPIs Um, my top um, objective as CEO is 10 out of 10 happiness for my team. That is my objective. And every quarter I send a survey round to the team, which asks them how happy you're coming to work every day. What do you love about working at the dots? And then I ask the same question like three different ways. So um, how can we improve um, the dots to make you better at your job? How can we improve the product to make it better at the job? And what would you do as CEO? And it's essentially the same exit questions. But what that gives me is real world feedback every quarter from my team. It's completely anonymous on things that are frustrating them, making them happy. The moment we're at eight out of, 8.5 out of 10 which I'm really happy with but what I'm actually more excited about are the people that are 5, 6 and 7 because that's where I learn what's going wrong and that's with a barometer that I can fix and so then we go for a coffee and work out they don't have to tell me what number but then we can work out solutions and I found that so important for 
basically making an environment that works for the team and keeping and retaining them because yeah hiring is one thing but keeping steam is keeping. another I mean, thing. you also have something is this right called a performance arousal a graph which checks and tracks your colleagues' well-being and stopping them burning out. Yes, I have an arousal graph, which is the worst thing to I say. Mean, <laughs> did, did you title that graph? Do yes, you know what? I didn't, but then I love it so much. Yeah. I kind of just thought I'd leave it. <laughs> um, it was so terrible. But yeah, the arousal is basically, um, it's how hard I'm pushing them, how many late nights they're doing, how many weekends. A lot of people, there's a badge of honor in our industry, as you know, like work all the time. And it's like productive, but I'm a workaholic. I work six days, 12 hours. That suits my metabolism. But you do, I, you have to, everyone has a different tip. That's the life of entrepreneur. If I did that to my team, I would lose them all. So um, yeah, you, you actually can find that someone could be working six days a week, but you're actually only getting four days out of them because yeah. you're yeah. burning them. And yeah. so yeah, that's my arousal graph. Sorry, and it it's interesting, lovely. isn't it? Because actually just you again saying this, this is what you're talking about. Creativity, the way you think. Creativity in HR. We have over 8,000 businesses that now use the dots to promote themselves on higher talent. And the amount of meetings that I've gone into and they're like, oh my gosh, churn is a nightmare. So they're churning through like 30% of their workforce that are leaving every year. They're blaming millennials because they're jumping more quickly. But they keep prioritizing crazy things like pay I mean pay is important but actually if you look at what makes someone happy that's only a small part of what makes someone happy so I don't you know I'm always there going why aren't you prioritizing happiness of your team like if you do that you'll kind of minimize churn because once people are happy they stay so yeah it's, it's hard with the, the the corporations are just set in their ways but the problem is is I, 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 they're going to struggle over the next few years in the creative industries because there is just an abundance of roles and not enough jobs to fill them right now or not enough people to fill them right now. And so you live on a beautiful houseboat <laughs> called Horace? Yes. I mean, I love that you've <laughs> named it. You're sitting here so tanned from your dipping your toes in the Thames. Yes. That's my Sunday airplane mode lying on the roof oh, of Horace. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Uh, you, you live with your husband uh, near King's Cross. As you said, you work six days a week. And I, I love this quote. For anyone that's thinking of starting a business, you really need support at home. I work crazy hours. Bringing your partner along on the journey with you is almost as important as bringing investors along the journey. My husband is an integral part of my team, but not actually on my team yeah I mean he's been incredible I mean you actually summed it up perfectly earlier where you said you know you're the cheerleader he's my cheerleader you know I I I, I mean I've definitely taken I've, I've done a lot of work to take him on that journey but you know I will come home at the end of the night it's been a really stressful I'll just burst out crying on him and he's there kind of feeding me wine um but you know he he's my rock through thick and thin you know because it can be lonely I'm a sole female tech founder it can be lonely there are times when I completely question myself and it's he's one of the loneliest going. jobs in the world yeah. so it's amazing that he's there 
yeah, there really for you uh, through this and, and will be there for you. And you just have to give them holidays probably, won't yeah, you? Every, yeah, we just had a 10, after my first holiday since starting the dots for our 10-year wedding anniversary. But he's just, yeah, he's incredible. I actually gave him business cards that say head of special projects. It doesn't work for me, but it was, um, he loves them. So oh, I love um, that. that kind of means he I gets to play that. Father Christmas at our Christmas party. And, you know, he helped find the office. And he actually interviewed um, Annie, who's, who you've been chatting to when she first started the dots and after the interview she went so what's your role here and he was like um uh, special projects <laughs> so but he's you know it's just amazing I think actually he always wanted to be an entrepreneur and then he's seen how blooming hard it is and so he gets to live vicariously through me you put him off but he gets to <laughs> be close enough to one to know what it's like we used yeah. the analogy earlier um that uh, running your own business is like a roller coaster with these epic highs and super amounts of lows and I also know that you have um, you visualize um, the highs and lows to people with a happy and sad graph <laughs> what what's that so it's basically on the top quadrant it's like when I'm on cloud nine I'm gonna take over the world this is incredible everything's amazing on the bottom it's literally when I'm you know crying on Howard's so- my husband's shoulder um, and so what I kind of visualize when I talk to fellow entrepreneurs or creatives is you know from the outsider's perspective people think that this has been a brilliant journey for me you know we've got this lovely product and all these clients and but the reality is as you know it's the epic highs and lows and you know there's I've been through so much and I think it's just about you know building a team around you and people around you so my husband being my cheerleader but general friends being cheerleaders as well I don't know about you but it's really hard at the beginning where I had friends who were like why aren't you coming to this or that and it's just hard that way and in the end I just had to sort of edit my friendship group to be the ones that we're like we love you Pip we know you're trying to do something really special with your life and if we see you once a year for Christmas that's fine and I think um I say a- it's on one hand yeah. on one hand the the, the true friends who yeah. know that maybe you know your life is actually not just about who you are within your social group but you've taken on a responsibility that you you feel is as important as that your family and they've got to let you go for it because actually that's that's who you are and so it it does mean sometimes that friends fall away from that with with love but actually it's on one hand if you can count them on one hand they're they're your group and I have like responsibility for the team and my shareholders but my team's having babies so I kind of feel like I'm a grandmother and then you know and then my community, you know, like these are hundreds of thousands of people that are looking to us to help them. And I just feel like I'm doing something bigger than myself right now. And, and yeah, my best friends understand that. And like, yeah, well, once a year, we'll kind of all end up at the pub and they'll hug me and say, you're doing a great job. And then let you get back. So on that roller coaster, Pip, tell me what would you say is your number one greatest high so far? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Do you know what? I think the first time anyone got a job was the first, because it was the first time I knew some it worked. You know, that first email that came through saying I just got my gene role. Actually, recently, um, we have we've did a, a, so we do these amazing, like, diversity takeovers. So we've just done one for Pride. So we, for the last five days, we only featured LGBT talent on the dots, projects created by LGBT talent. 
And we got this amazing handwritten card with a cat on the front just from this gorgeous guy who lives in the middle of nowhere saying, listen, I've just felt really isolated and alone and watching you support me and my what I stand for just means the world. And that kind of stuff, that, you know, all the, you know, raising investments, all that is fine, but that stuff is the stuff that gives me complete goosebumps. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're actually making a positive impact and that just... Those are the best bits. <laughs> the best bits. Changing yeah. people's lives. Yeah. And tell me then on that opposite, on that on that chart, that low bit, what's been one of the lowest? Oh, raising investment is always hideous um, because you're not focused on the business. You're just focused on raising money. And so, you know, and I do have a brilliant team who's building, but it's not the same. You're just reactive, not proactive. I think that's just one of the hardest things. Um and you know i think it's i think it's keeping the the kind of you know you get tired sometimes and i think it's always getting that positive i've now worked out i have to have sundays off i used to do seven days which is ridiculous but sundays is now my airplane mode and that resets me and it's fine but even taking holidays actually can be quite stressful we were chatting about that earlier because if i'm out of the office for 11 days prepping for the holiday and then the aftermath afterwards yeah it's more stressful going away for 11 days so um so yeah i think you know that's always a balance for me i'm really good at managing my team to make sure they don't burn out i've just got to get consistently checking myself and actually my husband's quite good at doing that he's like I can see you (laughs) (laughs) we better get away again (laughs) oh Pip it's uh, it's uh, Pip just thank you for being Pip I would say I, I really have so enjoyed I can feel that enthusiasm I can feel that energy I I know you're going to change the world and I really can't wait to be together doing that in in our different worlds but in with the same sort of shared philosophy and a sh- shared vision and I can see us being maybe 80 in the pub <laughs> together on that one yearly visit you know just having a chat about how we did as you know I ask each one of our guests to write a note to their younger self I haven't read it before because it's I adore the surprise but also I found that it's a real moment that I learn so much I just wanted to thank you in advance for sharing a little bit of your soul today and want to ask you if you can imagine your younger self Pip what would you say I have the letter right oh, here oh I'm excited to hear um, but you know what Holly before I read it I want to thank you because you paved the way for us like you know you were a tech entrepreneur before any of us were a tech entrepreneur and you saw the creative future before any of us so oh, like, you so said I was you your girl crush but you are so my girl crush I'm like <laughs> what do you mean I'm like I'm here with a living icon <laughs> oh bless yeah. you bless you thank you um so letter to my younger self so this is where the dyslexic comes in try to read Um, (laughs) just take it slowly I can't wait to hear all right dear Pip I know that you're really struggling with your dyslexia at the moment and I wish I was there to give you a really massive hug there is no shame in what you're going through yes it's been beyond frustrating that your brain works so much faster than your pen and you struggle to articulate in words the ideas that are in your head but that's because your brain is wired in a weird and wonderful way. That said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The coming years are going to be really tough. You will keep falling behind in school and reading and writing will feel like an impossible feat at times. People will call you stupid, even some of your teachers, but please don't let the buggers get you down. Before long, you will be grateful 
to them for building in you a deep well of resilience and determination to prove them wrong. I'm so proud of you for working so bloody hard. I know that missing time with your friends to do remedial classes isn't fun. And I promise that all those late nights with a torch under your duvet practicing reading and writing will be totally worth it. Eventually, it will get easier. And while it won't feel like it right now, one day you'll come to see your dyslexia as a superpower. It has given the, you the gifts of empathy, resilience, intuition, and creativity. Gifts that will grow to become some of the most valuable parts of your future. You'll come to realize that your brain connects the dots in ways that most people only dream of. Love you. Me. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, for there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to that who have got kids going through it right now. The amount of questions I get where mums say to me, Holly, just tell me, what do I say? And I say, you tell them they've got one of the most special superpowers they could ever have. And so that has just utterly moved me. So thank you so much, Pip. God, I started like, fuck it out. <laughs> Thanks, Nat West, again for sponsoring this podcast. It's great to partner with an organisation that believes in empowering people in business. That's why they developed the NatWest Business Hub, which is full of information, tips and insights to help business owners meet their goals. Go to natwestbusinesshub.com to get started. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations of Inspiration. I want as many people as possible to believe that they can build a business doing what they love. So could I ask a favour? If you like what you're listening to, would you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast provider? It will help others find this podcast and may just be the inspiration they need to follow their dreams. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come then bring them